Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Oh, Trent Condon. Score. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Wednesday as we talk the world of sports. Take it up until 1 o'clock this afternoon. Leading it to Murph and Andy, followed up by The Drive with Heather and Sean. We get you covered for the next seven hours with local sports talk here on 106.3 KXNO. Coming up today on the BMW of Des Moines guest list, we kick things off in our number one. Plenty of NFL conversation. Vinny Iyer will start things off from the sporting news. He is a three-time Jeopardy champion for people like me that have DirecTV Jeopardy has not been part of the viewing experience. Unfortunate. Uh, If you've been listening to us for a while, you know that is part of my rotation every single night. Me and the wife get together, watch uh, 20 minutes of Jeopardy. She usually falls asleep after about 10 minutes. And that's my knowledge moving away from the world of sports every day. Well, it's not on anymore because WHO 13 is not on DirecTV. Let's get that thing figured up before football season. I don't want to go back to the rabbit ears. I found out we have a Peacock subscription, so that's how I was able to watch the first preseason game, the Hall of Fame game, back a week ago. But definitely need to get that thing sorted out. Don't have to worry about my crappy internet at home. Let's get that figured out. But no Jeopardy for me. I've been watching some retro episodes. Vinny Iyer, though, not here to talk Jeopardy. We'll be talking NFL with him coming up at the bottom of the hour. Then in his daily shot, it is Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. He'll be by here at about 11.50. We will talk about the latest training camp report from Mitch Holtis. This week, it's been about the sophomores in the spotlight. Taking a look at the second-year players, last year's first-round pick, Trent McDuffie out of Washington. Equalizer in 2023 and get some more interceptions. That is the name of the game this season for McDuffie. We'll talk about him and a whole lot more with the Chiefs coming up. At 11.50 with Mitch Holtis. Then the second hour of the program starts off with Pete Futek from College Football News. Pete is always one of the most opinionated people that you're going to find in the college football space. Love his takes, loves what he has to say most of the time. Yeah, we got pushback from time to time. But Pete will join us here at about 12.05. We will get into realignment, where it stands, where it still could go. What's the latest in the negotiations and the conversations happening right now? with the ACC as they're talking about the potential additions of Cal, of Stanford, of SMU. We'll get into that and a whole lot more with Pete Futek. Plus, talk a little football. That's what we want to do also when we're getting into this. And then it is a Wednesday. That means David Kaplan will be by. A voice of Chicago stops in at 1230. We will talk with Cappy about those Cubs. Got it done again last night. We'll get into that in just a moment. And Bears training camp coming up here at 1230. That's what we have for you today on the BMW Des Moines guest list. Well, last night, bouncing around, watching some baseball last night. Watched the Cubs' victory. We'll get into a little baseball. But as the evening was coming to a close, there wasn't anything that really grabbed my attention. Behind on a couple of TV shows, that's pretty much always the case. Uh, also, last night had my first softball practice for the 8U team. So we were going through that. I was a little behind the eight ball, but... Mariners Padres didn't do much for me. The Rangers were coasting. So I decided I'm going to do it. I'm going to watch Hard Knocks. Now, if you've heard Ken and my conversations throughout the years, Hard Knocks is something that the excitement for it has dissipated for me throughout the years. It's the same tropes. 
it's the same thing. All right, here comes this guy. He's going to get cut. Bring your playbook. We go through that one, right? The opening of training camp. You'll get a goofy story or two. You're going to have all the things. And it's, it's very similar. It's well done. It's not that it's a bad program. It's just a program that I've seen so many times. And it doesn't matter if the uniforms change, the coaches change, the football guys change. Ultimately, it's kind of the same show every single year. But because of the addition of Aaron Rodgers, I was in. Give it a shot. I didn't realize it was going to be the Aaron Rodgers show, and that's basically what it was. I mean, this was an infomercial about how cool Aaron Rodgers is and taking the -the off-the-field stuff away from Aaron Rodgers and taking away my Bears fandom and how much I hate him because he kicked the Bears' ass for 15 years. Taking those things away, Aaron Rodgers came came off kind of likable. (laughs) And I kind of didn't like that part of it. I didn't like that part of it. But from a football side, getting back into it, it's just another one of those check marks that you hit throughout the course of the season. And I walked away ready for the next episode. As much as it was too much Rodgers, too much more than I, I certainly anticipated and what I expected, it wasn't bad. Sala, I like that guy. I can see playing for that guy. Now, it's very rare that you walk away also from hard knocks and say, that guy's an idiot. I couldn't play for him. It happens every once in a while. It was a Cowboys coach. Oh, boy, we're going back probably 15 years. But during that hard knock season, it was like, all right, they're in trouble. You can see that coming. And we had Dan Campbell. We've seen, we've seen the guys, and it doesn't matter if it's a more of the bookworm type of coach or if it's a football guy coach, right? The dude. I walked away with Salah. He's more of the dude type. But I said, yeah, I could see playing for him. We'll see if it translates. We'll see how good this Jets team is going to be. But I walked away pretty impressed with episode number one. Now, if you have pure hatred of Aaron Rodgers, and I kept an open mind going into it, probably not going to be the show for you. It was a lot of Rodgers. Walked away really impressed uh, from the performance. They had the voiceover guy, uh, Liv, he came in, thought that was really good. And it's so crazy hearing him talk, not when he's doing voiceovers, right? He's just talking in real life. How different his voice sounds. Look, my crappy voice is just crappy if I'm talking to you or if I'm doing it on the radio. However, this dude, he drops it down a couple of octaves. He's able to to boom that thing down. Aaron Rodgers was calling him the voice of God. That was pretty cool. And uh, also, Rodgers trying to make him feel kind of wanted around there and telling some of his teammates and some of the other coaches to go out there. Also, they had the piece going back to Sean Payton from a week ago, what Sean Payton said, how Aaron Rodgers responded. So you had that part of it as well. Uh, Definitely a good one. A good start to the football season. That, for me, is another one of the check marks that you're looking for as we get closer and closer to football season. Baseball last night. Want to get into that. One of the best at-bats of the season came in one that came down to the wire. Two great teams. In fact, this very well could be a preview of the ALCS coming up this year. The Astros and the Orioles and the O's let a lead slip away. Tucker sends one to right field. Back goes Santan there. All the way back and gone. He did it. He did it. A grand slam in the ninth. What an event by Kyle Tucker. Kate Tuck is now invading by sea. 
There it is. The walk-off is uh, the Astros get it done in the ninth with the home run there and hold on for the victory as Presley shut him down in the bottom half and the win to the Astros. Now, the Astros throughout this one, admittedly, I was watching because I had a bet on it. I, that's You guys know me. I think that's something that everybody understands when it comes to me, and that's why I had that one on. The yeah, bet that was absolutely incredible by Tucker, just fouling off tough pitches. And just on Monday's show, in our weekly conversation with Matt Snyder from CBS, I mentioned to him, now, if Garrett Cole starts to fall back, a couple other of the headliners in the American League Cy Young race, could Batista be the guy that gets it done? Well, after last night, going to be a little bit more difficult and probably going to be one that people are going to remember as his ERA almost doubles now, up to 1.52 on the year. Numbers are still ridiculous, still averaging basically two strikeouts per inning. I mean, just something that is absolutely unthinkable. However, that is not the biggest story that came out of this one. The embattled broadcaster, Kevin Brown. This is what we heard from the fans. Free Kevin Brown. That was the chant that was going across last night at Camden Yards. If you missed it, we talked about it yesterday. If you missed it, it's been one of the biggest media stories, certainly of the baseball season. A guy that just went out there and stated facts. Team hadn't been very good against Tampa and had been even worse in Tampa at Tropicana Field. And since then, he has not been seen on television. Peter Angelos is one of the worst owners in sports. He has had a myriad of issues as the owner. The Orioles are finally relevant once again after taking a big jump a year ago to what they are today. Here is a little bit more. This was a national broadcast also last night, which is so interesting. And though you couldn't pick up the free Kevin Brown apparently on Masson last night, which is the Mid-American regional network that the Orioles games are played on, you weren't able to hear it there. You were able to hear it certainly in the stands and also... Brian Anderson, who is calling the games for TBS, you'll hear him, of course, coming up with the Major League Baseball playoffs. He also does the Brewers games. This is what he had to say last night. And the chance of free Kevin Brown raining down the Orioles television play-by-play announcer. I love this fan base standing behind their announcer. If you don't know the story, Kevin Brown made some extremely benign comments was not even critical but somebody in upper management many believe it is the owner made a decision to take him off the air so you're left wondering now where does this go this has become a national story certainly over the last 48 hours and it accelerated again last night with the national broadcast with a great game that's going to get more headlines. This is something that is going to be a section of Sports Center. If you still watch Sports Center, it is going to be something that is going to have a whole lot of ink spilled about it. This is a conversation that continues. What we know, though, about Angelos is he doesn't back down very easily. We saw this with the dispute when the Nationals came to D.C. We've seen this in a myriad of different instances. John Miller, the great play-by-play broadcaster, we talked about that yesterday and what they went through. This is something that is going to linger. And it becomes very simple, right? If the Orioles are going to bring Kevin Brown back as their lead television announcer, this needs to happen very quickly. This is not something that can linger much longer. And there needs to be an explanation. What is the explanation? That's what nobody knows. 
Nobody understands how we can still be at this point, how this can still be a conversation with his comments that he had. We played them for you yesterday. You can go back on the podcast and take a listen for yourself or just Google it. Kevin Brown, it'll pop up. Awful announcing had it. Bunch of other websites and see as Brian Anderson just said, how benign the comments were. He was stating facts. And yet he has been nowhere to be seen on the television side of the broadcast. He did a radio series right after that. And since then, he has not been calling Orioles games. Get this right, Baltimore. Will they? Knowing the ownership group, probably not. That wasn't all in baseball last night. The Cubs, after a loss, bounce back in a big way. 3-2. In the air, left field. Pretty well struck that one back on its way. is the win as the Cubs hold on and get the victory at Jamison Tyone. After maybe, many people left him for dead, right? This is a guy that's going to go down as one of the worst free agent signings and not just Cubs history, maybe baseball history as bad as it looked over the first three, four months of the season. Over the last five, six starts, he has been incredibly good. Not just good enough to salvage some innings and keep the team afloat and be the number five guy. Certainly put himself in consideration now to not only be in the playoff rotation, maybe be your number three guy. It's a real possibility. We'll see about Stroman when he comes back and what he is after the struggles that we've seen there. Kyle Hendricks has had his own share of trouble. And that is something you're looking at is Jamison Tyone, a guy that had an ERA, what, north of six and a half for a while this baseball season. A potential game two type of starter. Very well could see that out of him if he continues. Certainly down the road there. That one has turned around for the signing. And then Taukman. Just an absolutely incredible story. We get these in baseball all the time. Just so, so good to see. That's what we had in baseball last night. I told you Twins were going to take it after finally figuring out a lefty the day before. That happened still. The Twins maintain their lead in the American League Central. They're four and a half games clear of the Guardians. Cubs a game and a half back now in the division standings, and they hold the final wild card spot. They are tied up with the Reds, but they do have it in percentage. Of course, both teams will play 162 games, and that will sort itself out. But both teams, four games over 500 right now. And if the playoffs started today, we'd get Brewers-Cubs to open things up. Not too shabby, right? I think you'd sign up for that one. Be a fun series, definitely, if we get to that point. Still a lot of baseball to be played. The Cubs sitting right now as they played 114 games on the season. Yeah, that just shows you. Getting up to 162. Still a lot of baseball left in this one. couple of final things for you as we wrap things up and get into our guests here today. As always, you can join us at 515-284-5966. Anything bouncing around in your mind here today. Speaking of baseball, found this a little bit wild. The schedule officially came out yesterday for Major League Baseball, what the playoff structure is going to look like, what the games are going to be played. First of all, World Series is going to be played in November again this year. If we get to a Game 5, November 1st will be that one. If there's a sweep, it'll end up on Halloween October 31st. But if we do get a Game 5, there isn't a sweep. That will be played on November 1st. Game 6 and 7 are scheduled for the 3rd and 4th. All right, all well and good. Going to go a little bit deeper. 
If it's cold, it's cold, right? We'll figure it out. We have this happen every single season. Baseball playoffs will begin on October 3rd with the wild card games. Third, fourth, and fifth, the wild card series will be happening across ESPN. All right, schedule's out there. And then, talking to a Cubs friend. So if you don't know, I bought a bunch of tickets for the Iowa Northwestern game in Wrigley. And we're going to have some giveaways going on. Going to be working on details as about it. Circa this week and getting everything figured out exactly what we're doing with that. But got rooftop tickets and the good rooftop. The one that you can actually see the whole field. Not one of those tucked behind a scoreboard. Not one of those. We got a bunch of them. And if there is a Game 7, and if that Game 7 would happen to be at Wrigley Field, well, obviously, they cannot play a football game earlier that day with Northwestern and Iowa. What does that mean? And what are the contingency plans? Now, here's the other part. Cubs get into the playoffs. What, what are they going to be? 84, 85, maybe 86 wins, something like that. Home field advantage is back to the best record. Back to probably the way it should have been for the longest time. You have the best record. You're going to have home field advantage in the World Series. Yes, coming from different leagues, but that is the way that it's set up. So the Cubs' likelihood of them being able to be the host and hosting Game 6 and ultimately a Game 7 would mean that they would have to have more wins than the American League representative. Well, it's not going to be the Orioles or the Rays or Toronto. Certainly not going to be the Rangers or the Astros. Now, potentially it could be the Twins or whoever comes out of the American League Central, but that's about it. I just wonder, how deep into this? Look, whoever wins the Central, say it's the Twins, they get beat in the first round, it's very easy, right? You know the Cubs cannot possibly host a Game 6 and Game 7, and you don't have to worry about that. However, how long does it take to get Wrigley Field ready for a game? If there is a World Series in Chicago, and the Cubs advance in the first round, and they move on to the divisional round of the Major League Baseball playoffs, what do they have to do to get that football field ready? What changes need to be made? What do they need to do with the infield dirt? There's a ton that still needs to be done in order to get that playing surface ready to have a football game there. Just something to keep in the back of your mind. And if you got 50 tickets and a rooftop, definitely something I got in the back of my mind. Iowa basketball yesterday. We talked about the Iowa State men's basketball team, what they did in their opener as they dominated and ran through and got a big victory in uh, their opening matchup down in the Bahamas. The Iowa men, uh, they did the same yesterday. Now, taking on these quote-unquote all-star teams, right? So Iowa yesterday played the Paris All-Stars. What does that involve? What does it take to be a Paris All-Star? Probably not a whole lot, right? I don't think we're seeing any of the high-level players. Rudy Gobert is not playing for this team. You look at the gym, you saw some of the highlights. If you did, Iowa men's basketball Twitter account uh, had those up there, and you got to see a great pass off the backboard from freshman Brock Harding to freshman and teammate at high school, Owen Freeman. All right, that was cool. Uh, they were playing not even in a high school gym. I mean, that, that's a slap in the face to a high school gym, what they were playing in. Looked like a recreation facility, right? It looked like a YMCA. That's what they were playing in yesterday. So you don't know exactly what this is, but you can take some things away from the box score. You can take some things away from some of the things that you see, and they're just highlights, and they're just that. You don't want to overreact to them, and I'm not. Because I think this Iowa basketball team is still going to stink. I think they're going to be awful defensively. I don't think they, they can rebound. Ah, but there's one. Owen Freeman. Mentioned him a moment ago. Owen Freeman is a guy that, that's a very interesting study, too. A guy that was really highly regarded early in his career. 
He had big-time offers, too. Michigan State, Purdue. Ultimately chose to be a Hawkeye, and he kept just kind of ticking down the recruiting rankings. Now, people that saw him play, saw him play in AAU events and see him play in the grassroots circuit, definitely didn't think that he took a step back by any means. He was the same guy. Rugged power forward, good guy, good athlete, and a good rebounder. He had 15 rebounds in the game. Again, not knowing the competition level, not overreacting to it. Nine offensive rebounds, 15 rebounds overall. That's pretty good, right? Brock Harding, the freshman point guard. Eight assists, no turnovers. As a team, a lot of turnovers in the first half. Didn't happen in the second half. And then he got Peyton Sanford doing his thing. Sanford's probably going to be the leading scorer for this Iowa basketball team coming up this season. They're going to run a ton of the offense through him. Now, if he has one of the shooting slumps like he had for nearly a month last year, that's going to be big-time trouble for this Iowa team. Price went out there, knocked down some shots. Ben Cricky did his thing, the transfer from Valpo. Again, not overreacting to things. This does not all of a sudden a win against the Paris All-Stars, 123-77, make me from th- thinking this team is going to struggle to be an NIT team to think they're suddenly an NCAA tournament team. I'm not there, but rebounding. Seeing a couple of guys out there rebounding more. Cricky was not a great rebounder in the MVC. He did it in a game against the Paris All-Stars. Owen Freeman, first time out against other competition, had a good game with 10 and 15. We'll see. He's kind of an under-radar guy. Another guy, Dembali, we didn't get to see him. He's working through some visa issues right now, and they're hopeful that he'll be able to get over there and potentially play on Friday in the uh, the final game over in Europe. But just a couple of takeaways. We did the same for Iowa State earlier in the week. Want to give a shout-out there to the Hawkeyes as those teams continue. Also, Kansas, they lost in their exhibition tour. Uh, They're playing a team that have like three NBA players on it, though. So a little bit different than taking on, apparently, the Paris All-Stars. That what we have there. I, tomorrow, will be boarding a plane. In fact, we will be emanating this program from 11 to 1, live from Stadium Swim at Circa in downtown Las Vegas. Looking forward to being there, the world's largest sports book. You have heard Ken and me throughout the years sing the praises of Circa, our return trip, and, of course, signing up for the contest. So, couple of things here. I've talked to a number of people that are going to be there this weekend. Looking forward to meeting up with all of you. It's going to be a great time. We always have a fun time there and always great experiences. Have the Cabana at Stadium Swim. You can come hang out with us. In fact, if you're listening right now and you have to be going, reach out to me on Twitter and uh, let me know and we'll get you a little VIP experience hanging out with us as we're at Stadium Swim for our shows the next couple of days. But I've had this question a lot. The two contests, Circa Millions, That one's simple, right? You pick five games against the point spread in the NFL every single week. Very simple. Now, the lines come out on Wednesday. It's very, it's static. The lines do not move as they move in Las Vegas as injuries come in or a certain amount of money comes in on one side. They don't want to be too heavy handed on one side or the other. We see lines obviously adjust and shift throughout the course of the week. That's not the case with Circa Millions, and there's different theories about that. You know, if you see a point spread that moves three, four, five, six points because of an injury or whatever else it may be, do you just jump aboard that? Or because it's a contest and you're playing against other people, do you look at it a different way? And you don't want to be kind of part of the pack when you're trying to come up with your five games a week. The most compelling, though, is Circa Survivor. And I heard this uh, just yesterday on VEASAN. Gil Alexander, who does the morning show over there. Gil mentioned this. Yes, it's called Circa Survivor. And if you ever played in a Survivor contest, it's a simple one. You pick a team to win that week. That's all they have to do is win. They lose, you're out. 
Your season's over and your $1,000 is down the drain in this contest. They win, you move on. It's Survivor. But it's not about surviving. It's about winning. Ultimately, they're just one winner. Now, multiple people make it to the end of the contest. Yeah, they split the pie X amount of ways. But you're playing to win. And the map out strategies that you need in order to do that. And with the two extra weeks that Circa has in there, as they put in Thanksgiving as its own week, along with the games right along Christmas, that leads to having to map forward. So I got this question line. How, how much mapping do you do? I play it just strictly Survivor. Yes, I'm not going to use the Chiefs and the Eagles and the 49ers right away. You can't do it that direction. I think that is a losing way to do it because ultimately you have to survive 20 weeks of this. You have to survive the 18 weeks of the regular season plus Thanksgiving alone. Three games there. Packers-Lions. Right now that looks like a coin flip game. Maybe the Lions are a slight favorite. Cowboys-Commanders. All right. Like the Cowboys in that game. Well, that means you got to hold off on using the Cowboys early on. And also... The 49ers are at the Seahawks. Now, I believe that both those teams are going to be pretty good this year. We saw Seattle a year ago, of course, make that deep push against the 49ers. Had the lead in the game in the opening round of the playoffs a season ago. So you're holding off. Well, that's limiting you too. That means you're holding off in the Cowboys and you're not using them for the first three, uh, 11 weeks, excuse me, of the season. Then you get to that Christmas date and mention that one. All right, so how do you figure this out? You got the games that are going to be played on Christmas Day. That's the Raiders at the Chiefs. That means you have to wait 15 weeks. If you want to hold on to the Chiefs, 15 weeks to get to that point. The 49ers play the Ravens. We already talked about the 49ers playing on Thanksgiving. Now you got this one and the Eagles against the Giants. Well, yeah, I want to hold on to the Eagles. And maybe I want to hold on to the Chiefs. But holding on to them that long, 16 weeks, it seems like a long time. But ultimately, as you map this forward, and this is the final thought on this. As you map it forward, you're looking forward there I still think you have to survive. And I understand the looking forward portion of it. But early on, I say certainly the first month, if you get to October and you've seen that field maybe cut in half, and that's what we saw last season, as the field was about 70% gone by the time we got to week five of the NFL calendar. If it plays out like that, you also have to adjust on the fly. It's an incredible concept. It is so much fun. And we saw last year there were three teams that were remaining, three guys that were remaining with their contest entries. You have a chance to hedge that bet, working against an $8 million prize pool. And if they don't get the the entries that they need, don't worry. Derek Stevens, the owner of Circa, he's still going to pay out of his pocket. The overlay is big right now. I'll take it down by a couple of notches when we're out there and looking forward to being at Circa again. Again, hit me up on Twitter at Trent Condon. If you're going to be out there, we will hook you up with a lot of cool stuff with our friends from Circa. We come back on the other side, continuing the NFL conversation. Not going to talk about Circa Survivor, but we're going to talk NFL. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News. He kicks things off in Chiefs conversation with Mitch Holtis. We go NFL heavy here as we continue. It's Miller and Condon on 106.3. John Yers. Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Tide. 
Welcome back. It's Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. We continue the conversation and go to our go-to guy when it comes to the NFL. He is Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News, and he joins us here today. Vinny, as always, appreciate your time. How's training camp going for you? It's going all right. Uh, just uh, examining all things that are going on. We'll have the preseason games finally here tomorrow night for all the teams uh, starting this weekend. So get a better look at these teams. Again, uh, training camp has been different. You know, it's uh, not the same as it was with the month and a half of grueling practices two days. It's a pretty short period of time as these teams get ready and the preseason has been adjusted accordingly with a longer schedule. So we just need to get to playing football. Right there with you, and we're going to be able to see the teams outside of the Browns and Jets that, of course, we saw a week ago in the Hall of Fame game, though not a whole lot of starters in that one. Hey, speaking of those Jets, Vinny, did you happen to watch Hard Knocks last night? I have not. I have it on uh, on demand or tape or whatever you want to call it, so I will uh, check it out. Uh, yeah, I, I didn't get a chance to see it, but I, I'm saving it because uh, I need some uh, Jets as much as possible. Absolutely. Well, I know, Vinny, uh, you know in the content business that it's about clicks and getting the people that are going to view your content. Well, it's a lot of Aaron Rodgers. It was even more Aaron Rodgers than I anticipated. Vinny, you remember, I'm a Bears fan. Aaron Rodgers did his thing for 15 years against my team and made him look bad a whole lot of times. And yet I walked away from it last night. Yeah, it was a ton of Aaron Rodgers, but it was good. It was compelling. I was interested in the storing line. And Hard Knocks had, had started to peter out on me a little bit. That was not the case, at least for me, last night. We'll see if I get through the whole series coming up this season. But for a, at least for a week, I thought they did a really good job and maybe revitalizing this franchise. Yeah, I mean, that's the bottom line is I think they needed to get to maybe where quarterback was, right? And mm-hmm. they just had to say, look, this storyline is bigger. We got to give this more attention. This is what people want to watch, right? And that's kind of what's happened. Like it, it's cool that they have those little stories on these undrafted guys trying to make the teams, and there's room for that, right? But with the Jets, I mean, why else would you uh, add them as a team, right? I mean, that's the big reason why, and you, you want to sell it. And I think just compelling personalities focusing on a personality that's that big and that fascinating, I think, makes the show a lot better. Well, little fireworks happening in training camp out in Washington. You got Ron Rivera and Eric Bieniemy talking about what was it called? His vocal teaching style. I, I love that one. Voking vocal teaching style <laughs> means he yells a whole lot there. Uh, listening to Bieniemy's comments last night, though, I, I was fine with it. There's maybe a reason that he has never got that NFL head coaching job that people believe was ultimately going to happen there. Your takeaway, though, from this kerfuffle. Yeah, I think it's okay, right? This is why they brought him in. They want to uh, kind of get their offense up to speed. Because you look at all around, I mean, the offensive line's not bad. you got Terry McCoy and now Jahan Dotson. You've got two capable backs there, Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr. Why, why is this team not producing? I mean, part of it, we know, is tied to quarterback, and they haven't found a starting quarterback. But if they're going to do that and be successful with Sam Howell and give him a shot, they have to be in line and go with the program with his new offense. So maybe that's kind of uh, the underlying thing of the enemy is that he pushes people a little bit hard. But, I mean, you can't argue with the results in Kansas City, right? I mean, doesn't anyone say, look, he just came from the Super Bowl champs to coach our offense. So, like, I think there should be some respect with that to say, look, 
we got to do something here. I mean, a lot of our jobs on the line, this team was in last place last year, were inconsistent. The offense and defense have not lived up to the massive expectations and, quite frankly, the talent that's on this team. So, look, if they don't like being their buttons pushed, I guess the production has to be better. So, again, they were stale. They weren't doing what they needed to do. This is their opportunity to get better. Again, maybe some guys are just better to be coordinators and coaches uh, just because they maybe have an approach that maybe is not as modern as uh, some players would like. But, look, you can't argue that he's been around Andy Reid and a lot of those guys that have been around Andy Reid, Doug Peterson, uh, to some level, uh, that these guys know offense, trust them, believe in them, and you might be pushing a little bit out of their comfort zone. Vinny are joining us from the Sporting News. Vinny, you also are part of the Lockdown Network. We're colleagues over there. I'm on the college side on the Hawkeye, and you do the fantasy football daily show. Ramp it up as we get ready for that season. And a guy I was kind of intrigued by, I want to get your thoughts, both as a real football player and a fantasy football player, and that's Calvin Ridley. Now, I'm a believer in this Jacksonville team. I believe that what we saw a year ago was not just a mirage. This is a team building. It's not just, well, somebody's got to win the crappy AFC South. Why not Jacksonville after making the run a year ago? I think this team is ascending forward. What about Calvin Ridley? Ridley work with Trevor Lawrence now. And, and what your anticipations are, not just for Jacksonville, but Ridley individually in it, as it comes to the fantasy circles? Well, I think he just has a look at his profile, right? I mean, he was a dominant receiver. I mean, the last time we saw him on the field, I get that the time in 2021 was a little bit odd. He was going probably with this issue that got him suspended or battling something else through uh, not playing. So now I think he's fully committed to the Jaguars. It's a great pickup by them to realize, look, we can stash this guy. Our pass game's already pretty good. We add him as a number one. All of a sudden, Christian Kirk is a more dangerous receiver, and everything is kind of uh, rolling off there. So, you know, I, I think you just can't forget players that have been out of mind for a while, right? And this is why his value has been pretty good in fantasy football drafts. But he was a guy that was a wide receiver five the last time he was legit there with Matt Ryan and having a big year in Atlanta. He was kind of uh, taking over from Julio Jones as the key target here. So I think people forget how good Calvin Ridley was and maybe a little bit of skepticism right over the Jaguars. I feel that's hurting Trevor Lawrence as well, but well, okay, we had a good, good second half, but it was Trevor Lawrence still needs to improve. But if you look at his body work in the second half down the stretch, leading his team to a lot of victories, we had a big comeback over the Chargers. Like, this offense legitimately can score a ton of points, and we know Doug Peterson has that history in Philadelphia. So everything lines up with the Jaguars living up to their offensive expectations, and Ridley is going to be a big part of that. And what I like about Ridley, he's got the body and the usage to score a lot of touchdowns. Want to go to second-year quarterbacks. We saw Zach Wilson, the ascension didn't happen, and now he's no longer the starter with the Jets. He's the backup to Aaron Rodgers. Want to start with Kenny Pickett. Saw some good things a year ago. Also saw some ugly things. Steelers, we know they're at least going to be okay because that's what Mike Tomlin does year after year. What about Kenny Pickett? What kind of year two do you anticipate from him? Yeah, this is an interesting debate we've had on Lockdown Fantasy Football. I mean, Sam Howell has some intriguing weapons as well. But I look at Kenny Pickett. Yeah, the weapons are there. How does he put it all together, right? I mean, Deontay Johnson is not going to score once again. George Pickens is going to be a bigger factor. Matt Freeman is a very good uh, tight end here. So they have the weapons. Najee Harris should 
could be improved. I think the left side of their offensive line could be much better with the draft and free agency. So a lot of things are pointing upward, right? I think people are just skeptical of what they saw taken in the first year, but Steelers notoriously kind of kept him under wraps, didn't let him do a lot of things he needed to do, and maybe learn to learn from that mistake, right? If they were a little bit uh, more aggressive offensively, they might have been a playoff team last year with the way their defense was playing. So I think you look at the Steelers right now, I look at the skill set of Pickett, I still think it's very high. It's the reason he went in the first round. The Steelers are a shrewd organization and realizing that. And, again, he can run a little bit. He's a great athlete at the Combine and to take over and uh, score some touchdowns that way. So I think Jimmy Pickett is being undervalued. I think, again, it's very hard to these younger QBs where you say, okay, all the signs are there, uh, promise, but is it in that player himself, right? That's what it comes down to. Is that player going to show the improvement mentally and physically? So uh, I think I, I think the parts are there for Kenny Pickett, and we'll see the execution. But the good news is you can get him as a cheap flyer in fantasy football drafts, stash him as a QB2 low pressure, and he could uh, end up surprising. One more second-year quarterback for you, and that's a guy with ties here to the state of Iowa. Of course, Brock Purdy, Mr. Irrelevant, what we saw out of him a season ago, putting things together, leading that team to the playoffs, and he's got a great supporting cast, but also coming off that devastating injury in the NFC Championship game. Where with, are you with Brock Purdy, and maybe how much of a leash does he have this season after what he did a year ago? Well, I think he's going to be steady. I mean, you look at Jimmy Garoppolo, that's what you got out of him, right? Steady play. He would execute the plays within the offense. May not uh, be the guy that's going to stretch the field and throw bombs and make all the throws that are available downfield, but he's going to be a facilitator. I mean, that's what the 49ers quarterback has been. I mean, he's been like a point guard and spraying the ball around. And I'm not saying that puts him in that caretaker type category because he has to make the plays. He has to be accurate, push the ball downfield. And Purdy did show that, right? I mean, he was consistently throwing two touchdown passes a game. But I think he just has a very low feeling. It's because the 49ers offense is still about Chris McCaffrey in the running game. They don't want to throw the ball a ton. They don't need to throw the ball a ton with their defense. They're going to win a lot of games just by running and just containing teams that way. So but the weapons are good. The offensive line maybe not as good without Mike McGlinchey. But I look at Purdy, again, I think he'll be good in reality, just like Garoppolo, but not the fantasy guy you're looking for necessarily to give a big week more than occasionally in the right matchup. Vinny, we'll keep reading all your content over at the Sporting News and listen each and every day with Locked On Fantasy Football. Thanks, as always, for joining us, Vinny. Thank you. Vinny Iyer from the Sporting News and Locked On Fantasy Football joining us here on a Wednesday. We move on to the Kansas City Chiefs. Our conversation with Mitch Holtis brought to you by Papa John's of Iowa coming your way next. We're talking Chiefs. We're talking second-year players there as well. And the first-rounder from a season ago, Trent McDuffie in the spotlight. When we come back, it's Miller and Condon on 106.3 in Urbandale. Continues here on Miller and Condon. Welcome back. I'm Trent Condon running solo here today. Back with Ken Miller tomorrow as we'll be coming to you live from Stadium Swim in Las Vegas. Joining us right now, he is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Always enjoy our conversation throughout training camp. He is Mitch Holtis. Mitch, as always, thanks for hopping on. What's happening today? 
Well, I found out that people listen to this segment. You know, it's really kind of an interesting novel idea that people listen to it because <laughs> uh, I took some ribbing about uh, Matt Donaldson selling $400 pizzas. Uh-huh. I was trying to make the analogy, right, of Aaron Donald's deal is a bad deal. But uh, no, they, but they've got this, their boneless wings are awesome and thirteen ninety nine for the epic garlic crust pizzas. So no $400 pizzas, thirteen ninety nine. At Papa John's, but I found out, you know, I gotta be careful what I say. People listen and like, what? What's he saying? So, yeah, no four hundred dollar pizza. Have we heard from Ken in Vegas? Have we heard? We have a report, or do we? I uh, long gone. He clicked uh, a little like on Twitter or X, whatever we're calling it now. He clicked that today. That's the only thing, though. Didn't get a text. Didn't say, get a thank you for getting him hooked up to get picked up at the airport. None of that. I'll just see him tomorrow morning as I'll come bursting in. Hopefully they're on time to start the show right at uh, 11 o'clock and 9 a.m. Pacific tomorrow morning. But haven't heard from him. I'm going to guess he's having a good time. Well, I'm, I'm yeah, let's hope not too good a time, right? right and right. he told me he was going to meet with Michael Corleone there. Oh. Um, yeah, a couple, with a business opportunity. So I don't know what that meant, but uh, let's hope he comes back. And he finds out he's Canadian. That could really ramp up the... Uh, conversation well i thought i gave him an offer he can't refuse hopefully uh, that is the case and he's staying with me we don't need him drop it yeah. off and head out there living in vegas uh, for for the rest of his go well mitch uh, a lot to talk about here we're talking about this week second year players and the first mm-hmm. picked of the second year players is trent mcduffie you know you looked at a season ago remember there was an article towards the end of last year from pro football focus and they were talking about mcduffie and talking about why he is a linchpin to the Kansas City Chiefs defense. And he certainly was that, but didn't have an interception last year. No. He got slowed with a hamstring injury. Very first game of the year against the Arizona Cardinals, he injured a hamstring, and it took him out of six games. We actually put him on IR, designated to return. And that really slowed down Trent's rookie year. Now, when he came back, he made some very impactful plays, uh, including having a sack late in the year, and he was really good during the playoffs. But uh, he just he never had an interception. And in talking to him, first of all, he's had a really good camp. The, the, the lead paragraph to me in this whole camp and being around these guys all summer and since July 19th here in St. Joseph is the fact that this defense, next step, next step is to take the ball away and make explosive, game-winning, game-changing defensive plays. And McDuffie, to me, is the head of that list. Man, that's um, that was one of like the big things that we need to do this year is turnovers. I know last year um, we didn't have as many turnovers as we would like, and so this year not only turnovers but scoring on defense. I feel like you score on defense that can change the entire game, and that's been a, a big part of what we're doing out here each and every day. Honestly, the big difference is just having that confidence, coming off a Super Bowl win as rookies, um, being a part of a defense that was new. And knowing that we made all the way, that we won, we did the big thing. Um, coming into this year, I feel like just the confidence and the overall just communication and just the whole defense is gelling. And it's really nice to play with a bunch of guys who are all on the same page because you can do a lot different things within the system that we weren't doing last year. That's what I'm noticing. These guys are flying now. It's, a, it's just a quick step better. He, he can recover. He's athletic. He's super smart. Uh I'll buy you a Papa John's pizza a year from now if he does not have an interception, or probably two or three. They are mm. coming for him. He's got a chance to be a Pro Bowl caliber cornerback. Looking at the numbers last year, just 20 takeaways as a team. I mean, that's down there in the list. Mm. The leader was the Cowboys, who had 33. Got teams like the 49ers and Patriots with 30. 
what is a realistic number to jump up to? Is a realistic goal getting up into that 25, upper 20s kind of range in takeaways? Let's let's back up the truck here. Your your point is a very good one. But and the Chiefs go 14 and 3 last year with <laughs> with 21st in the league in takeaways. What if you jump to half that number? Not 33, um, but you go between 33 and 20, and now you're jumping in and you get about 26 or 27 takeaways, mm-hmm. and two of those are either a pick six. I'm going to put special teams in here, block punt, uh, kick return. Now, the scoop and score in Super Bowl 57 is a prime example. These are the things that change games now in the 21st century defensively. If you just move up five takeaways, and two of those five are like Jalen Watson's 99-yard pick six against uh, Herbert last year, you can stay 14-3 and three at the top of the pack. The 10 teams that had 25 takeaways or more last year, eight of them were playoff teams. Pretty important number. And your Super Bowl champion was 20th in the league. <laughs> what if they go to 10th? Oh, jeez. Okay? Hey, come on, Mitch. You want to give the rest of the league a chance? I mean, what, what's going on here? No, we got to figure out how to stay there because everybody's <laughs> just all in. Again, everybody just unloads their chips on the table and, like, deal them. And so here we are again. Everybody kind of wants to knock us off. But uh, how do we pull this off? I'm looking for ways of how do we stay up there? No Juju Schuster. You know, Chris Jones is holding on. What are we going to do? One of those is this defense to be nasty, feisty, takeaway, game-changing. Heard an interesting quote. I don't know if Brian Cook's going to be part of our conversation this week, but Spag's talking about him becoming the quarterback of the defense. And I'll tell you, listening to Spags here the last couple of weeks, you can tell, yes, we as we talked about yesterday, no Jones at this point. I think he really likes this young group. He loves this young group. He is, uh, you know, Spags is not a youngster uh, anymore. <laughs> yeah. And he is, just, just Google him or look at his Wikipedia page and you'll see how many places he's been. And he is rejuvenated and excited about this group. And he sees, but he, but he knows, right? He's been around long enough to go, it's not a false read. Like, okay, this, no, this is cool stuff. And you mentioned Cook, way to go, because that's where I'm going tomorrow. Oh, nice. Because fans, yeah, fans don't know about him as much. They know about McDuffie because he's a first-round pick. But Cook is step-to-step moving forward with Trent McDuffie. And so uh, a discussion of McDuffie has to be complemented with a discussion of Cook. And that's where we go tomorrow. Good stuff. Looking forward to that one, certainly, Mitch. Final thing for you, uh, the 2024 Hall of Fame class, the people that are on the list were introduced earlier in the week. Julius Peppers, Antonio Gates certainly appear to be the locks out of that group. In the next tier, though, a couple of former Chiefs, Eric Berry and Jamal Charles, when they were bright, burning at their brightest, both those guys were Hall of Famers, just didn't have the length Give me a thought or two on both of those guys and their chances of becoming Hall of Famers. I have high regard and a soft spot for both. And both are they're different, come from very different backgrounds. Jamal, if Jamal would have been in this offense, uh, oh my gosh, yeah. I, I, he would have been nuts. Now, he was early on, right? The five-touchdown game against uh, the Raiders, all on screens. I still can't defend him on a screen. But his ability to make tough runs, he was super fast, and played on awful teams, a lot of them. He was like the one bright spot on those teams. We beat the Saints in our 2-14 2008 year on six field goals of safety and a 91-yard run by Jamal. Okay, Barry 
different background, north of Atlanta, uh, love EB, and I've not talked to him in a long time. Uh, what he went through in recovering from cancer, mm-hmm. we, you know, we were kind of with him step by step and all of that. And I wish I could talk to him. I'll see Jamal, you know, all, quite often. I haven't seen EB since he left us. I wish I could. Never forget, uh, and I should have put this on my Wikipedia page, maybe I did, but I'm the only guy in history to call a pick two uh, in college and the NFL. There's only been one pick two, I think, uh-huh. in the NFL, and it was Eric Berry. And so we played Atlanta 2016. Eric Berry had a pick, so his, he had just come off his cancer, and all of his nurses and stuff from Emory University were there. I know we're going to run out of time. You asked. Uh, he gets a pick six, gives it to his mom, runs a pick two, gives it to his dad. And the Chiefs won 29 to 28. Eric Berry's number was 29. Wow. How many football games end in 29? <laughs> Amazing. Okay. Unthinkable. Amazing. Absolutely. He's, he, was a, he was an awesome dude. Uh, I don't know if he's Hall of Fame worthy or not. I hope he gets consideration. Jamal might be ahead of him in that regard because mm-hmm. of the stats. Get Otis Taylor in there. That's what we need to do first and foremost. Love that. Get call. him in there. He's way ahead of his time. No doubt about it. Hey, we are out of time, but before we go, yep. it's lunchtime, and we've been talking about this garlic epic stuffed crust pizza. <laughs> it's 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 kind of addicting. Once you, I mean, it feels like a Wednesday lunch. It'll be Thursday lunch and Friday lunch. The other thing is they've got these. Um, uh, I think they've they've done something with the boneless wings. Let. I don't know what they've done. They haven't given me. They haven't taken me to the uh, up to Johnston to mm-hmm. the uh, secret sauce place. But anyway, uh, check out these boneless wings are to die for. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to our conversation tomorrow as we'll be in Vegas. We'll talk to you then. Thank you, Trent. That's Mitch Holtis joining us, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. One hour down. We got one more to go. We kick it off going to more football. This time, college football. Pete Futek, College Football News. He will kick things off in hour number two. And David Kaplan. We talk about the Cubs. We talk about the Bears. That's all come your way in the second hour. Plus, my picks of the day presented by Circus Sports. Three and one yesterday. We look to stay hot.